Well, hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. If you're interested in art, if you're interested in the creative industries in general, you'll be aware that certainly in the UK, and I presume this is um, the case in a lot of other countries, the, the broadcasting of art, the accessibility of art forms uh, on television has been severely limited. And that seems to have been increasingly the case as I suppose all of those kinds of uh, practices have been put into, I suppose, what you would call a template um, for a TV show. So what we've seen is that uh, fashion and painting and pottery and sewing and interior design and cooking and baking and photography have all been kind of manipulated into competition-based formats for television, uh, I suppose, entertainment. Now, the result of those kinds of competitions is very straightforward. A series of tasks each week. One person goes home, maybe two people go home. An expert is called in to judge each week, a guest expert, to give the competition a little bit of kind of uh, weight, I suppose. And what I've seen is that as this kind of constant quest for competition and of being a winner has occurred, uh, this has also been happening in the photographic world, where we're judging people as to whether or not they've won photographic competitions. And everybody seems to feel, or a lot of people seem to feel, that the only way to succeed is to win these competitions and be recognised by these judges. Now, this didn't used to be the case. You know, it used to be the case that you were judged on your work, that you would reach out directly to the people whom you wanted to respond to your work. Now, again, as these competitions have grown up, I believe that a lot of people whose job and whose role it was to provide free mentoring to photographers from their position of employment have actually not been taking up their duty and doing what they were supposed to be doing. They've been saying that they were too busy. And I always used to say that if you think busy is working in a magazine or in an ad agency or in a design group, then go and work in A&E. Uh, that takes on a certain black connotation during these times. But I think you know what I mean. So where we are now is uh, this week I watched a television program presented by the artist Grayson Perry. Called, it was for Channel 4 Television in the UK and it was called Art Club. And it was all about everybody engaging in various forms of art, including photography, because it was good for the mind. Now, one bit of this that wasn't good for the mind were the T's and C's that Channel 4 felt it was appropriate to attach to any work that you sent in. They're not appropriate, and unfortunately it prevents me from recommending you send in work to this, which is a great shame and perhaps a, a hangover to where things used to be, the old ways. But anyway, in the same week, um, I think on BBC, they started to bring us exhibitions live presented the one I saw on Warhol at the Tate by Alistair Souk. I know there was another one uh, recently concerning the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford. This is all great stuff. It's what we've been looking for, hoping for and asking for for many years when arts funding in broadcast has been cut and cut and cut in favour of the, the quiz show, the competition. 
I suppose really what I'm hoping for, as I've said in previous weeks, is this new idea or this new understanding that in times of difficulty, art, image making, storytelling, visual representation is good for you. It's good for the mind. It helps center you. It helps find a way, a form of expression that that just makes you feel calm. I know all photography certainly doesn't make you feel calm, but I hope you understand where I'm going to with this. So I'm picking up those little strands and I'm seeing them as positives, as um, I'm being optimistic that when we finish this situation, the same people who seem to recognise the importance of photography for a good mental well-being, for a well-being of mindfulness, that they don't suddenly just chuck that one out of the window and go back to the horrible ways that you're only any good if you win a competition, which a very few people are judging. I saw a tweet the other day by a photographer, somebody based in America, uh, talking about the fact that photography um, and photographers are just not very good at being collaborative and collective and that perhaps these times uh, will actually promote that and that people will understand the importance of that. Well, it made me think a little bit about, you know, what does it mean to be independent, to be a photographer and to be a collective? You know, what do these words mean? And through various conversations I've had over the last week with different people who are involved in the independent community with their own setups and their own collectives, I think what I'm starting to come to is that I think the majority of independent collectives and independent initiatives are founded and run by people who've actually done the job, who've actually been photographers or worked as uh, art directors or publishers or what have you. Um, from what I can see, the majority of the establishment is kind of run by people who haven't done the job. How many people actually currently working on photographic magazines have ever worked as photographers or ever worked outside of a magazine environment? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? That they're putting themselves forward as these experts and yet they've never done it. And yet, within the independent community and within these collectives, uh, it's full of people with fantastic knowledge and experience, and they've actually done it. And I suppose what drives us, and I, I suppose I include myself in this, is that, you know, we're passionate about what we do. We're not doing this for ego, and we're not doing this for money. Uh, we're not doing this for um, sales revenue. We're just doing it because we feel we need to do it. And that pushes us forward. Now, certainly within the UK at the moment, there are a number of incredible initiatives and collectives which are working together to put together exhibitions and books and events and talks. Now, this has been going on before the pandemic. It's been going on in exactly the same way, perhaps even slightly more heightened energy during the pandemic. And I'm certain that after the pandemic, these collectives will continue to work just as strongly and importantly, just as independently. Now, I've put a list of the ones in the UK just below this podcast on the website, just in case you're not aware of some of the things that are going on. 
It may be that you're in a country whereby collectives aren't happening. So you might want to have a look at some of these, see what they're doing, and think about replicating that in uh, wherever you are. Because there's no doubt that by taking control of the situation, by taking that responsibility for bringing people together with a shared interest, it's an incredibly positive uh, kind of experience. Growing up in uh, England, in the UK, in the 1970s, it was impossible as a child to not be aware of the troubles in Northern Ireland through uh, news reporting and through the Sunday Times and the Observer magazine, through photographers such as Don McCullen. But today we invite a photographer uh, to explain what photography means to him, who was right there growing up in the Troubles in Northern Ireland itself. That photographer is Cathal McNaughton. Cathal uh, grew up during the height of the Troubles and was inspired to become a photographer after meeting photojournalists from across the world who were working in Ireland during that time of civil unrest. As the youngest child with two bossy older sisters, he describes himself as a tolerant person who is still a fan of the knitted jumper and does not trust horses. After winning the Pulitzer Prize in 2018 for his coverage of the Rohingya refugee crisis in Myanmar and Bangladesh, Cathal relocated back to Ireland where he's continuing his work documenting people and places. He was chief photographer for Reuters in India and has travelled extensively in Asia covering news stories of world importance. He also worked for Reuters in Europe, the Press Association and the Daily Telegraph, and his work regularly features in leading publications across the globe. Cathal's photography has won him major accolades, including UK Press Photographer of the Year, Royal Photographer of the Year and Environmental Photographer of the Year. His work capturing the struggle of the exiled Rohingya Muslims saw him awarded the Pulitzer Prize for Photography in New York in 2018. Cathal leads masterclasses, workshops and conferences in universities and he travels worldwide talking about the role of the media in divided societies and the importance of factual journalism in the world of social media, certainly something we need today. So what does photography mean to me? Well, uh, photography uh, was my life, but uh, now, today, I would say it's part of my life. When I started over 20 years ago, I had no idea of the, the journey that I, I'd just begun. And I, I was a teenager from uh, a rural community in uh, the north of Ireland, and uh, I was serving my time as such in a Belfast newspaper called the Irish News. The troubles and civil unrest was still a day-to-day -day reality, uh, but I, I was living at home with my parents. I was only 16, and I would get up around uh, 6 a.m. in the morning and get a lift uh, with construction workers in the back of a transit van up to the city, and they would drop me uh, wherever, and then I would make my way into the, the newsroom. I was always the first one in because I was there so early in the morning. So I would then go to maybe, uh, I would be at a riot or a news event and there would be photojournalists from all over the world and I'd be looking at Time Magazine or The Independent, The New York Times and I'd be looking to see what they had shot and I was amazed at how they all saw the same uh, assignment differently. 
They worked with light and composition in their own way and they had styles of their own. And uh, I was really hooked at this stage uh, and I, I, I wanted to emulate these people. Uh, but then as you mature a little and start to become more socially and politically aware, my motivation shifted slightly and I wanted to become or give uh, the less fortunate maybe a voice. And I was able to do that through uh, photography, but I was able to do it in my own creative and artistic way at times. So that, that gave me a, uh, uh, an outlook or a, an outlet for my uh, sort of artistic temperament, shall we say. Now, I've been fortunate to have witnessed and recorded some of the most amazing and beautiful aspects of humanity in all corners of the, the world. And the kindness and generosity that has been shown to me by generally people with the least has been really, really humbling. Uh, the camera is a powerful tool, but it must be used with empathy and compassion whenever necessary. Now, it has opened many doors for me, which would have remained shut otherwise. Uh, but there's the other side, there's the darker side. It's a double-edged sword because the worst of humanity has to be recorded as well. If you're gonna tell the whole story, you have to, you have to show the bad bits as well. I've seen some terrible things over the years, which have taken their toll on me at times but I would certainly never change any of it. Uh, people, people need to be shown the truth. Uh, politicians, regimes, governments, they need to be held accountable. And it's journalists and photojournalists who play a major role in that. Now, I've had a pretty unhealthy relationship with photojournalism, I would say, because I, I made a lot of sacrifices, put my passion before all else before re personal relationships yeah uh, I yeah you I think it's fair to say you have to be quite selfish not in all cases but I would say in most cases to become uh, uh, particularly good at something and uh, this this was definitely the case for me uh, it was kind of like a drug and I'm sure uh, many of my colleagues would would tell you tell you the same. Now, since covering the Rohingya genocide a couple of years ago, uh, I've taken a step back. Uh, I haven't really shot a picture in oh, about two years now. And apart from uh, stuff for fun, basically on my iPhone. And yeah so i've been i've been i've been enjoying that i don't even own a camera at the minute to be honest uh but i find that now i've maybe decompressed a little and i'm slowly building up my love and passion for this uh amazing medium again and uh hopefully in the not too distant future i will uh be out on the roller coaster again and see wherever that leads me Thank you, Cathal, for your contribution this week. So many important elements, I think, to draw on from his, um, I suppose, his reflections there on, on his personal career. 
that idea that photography is such a powerful tool, I think we're all seeing that at the moment. I'm certainly seeing a lot of um, very powerful work coming out of uh, the United States and also from Italy. I'm not seeing so much powerful work coming out of the UK. Maybe that's a, a question of access um, being denied. Uh, I'm not informed enough to, to, to confirm that, but it certainly does seem to be the case to me. What I am seeing is a lot of, uh, I suppose, reflection work coming out of the UK. Um, that kind of work, which is very, very personal. But it would be great to balance that with some of the really powerful stuff I've seen coming out of, particularly out of New York. The impact that such photography has on the photographer is something that's been written about at length. I mentioned Don McCullen at the beginning of this podcast. If you haven't read his book, Unreasonable Behaviour, I certainly suggest you do. Uh, it provides an insight into the, um, I suppose, the torment um, that a photographer can go through seeing the very worst of things. Um, and I suppose recording it in that way for others to see. Uh, it's a it's a it's a passion and it's a commitment, but it also at the same time takes a, can take a terrible toll on the photographer. And I suppose in a way that's kind of where we are at the moment with everything. I hope you're all feeling okay. I hope you're dealing well with this uh, situation. There are going to be good days and bad days, as I say. There are a number of really great independent collectives out there who are putting on uh, talks and events for you to get engaged with. I repeat, uh, there is, if you go to unitednationsofphotography.com website, there's a list on this particular post of some of those that are UK-based. Why not reach out to them? Why not share your work and share your experiences so that you don't feel too alone with that? Anyway, really great to have Cathal on this week's podcast. Um, I'm a huge um, admirer of his work and also of the fact that he needed to take those two years out. I think um, that says a lot in itself, doesn't it, about the commitment that he gave to his work. Um, also, just to quickly say, I know he won a lot of competitions, uh, awards, I should say, rather than specific competitions, but you know, the, the point of the work is not necessarily to win the competition. What I was talking about at the beginning of this episode was thinking that ep uh, competitions were the answer to an issue, to a problem. They're not. It always comes down to the work and it is the work that will take you forward. Anyway, um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, episode. Um, we're continuing from the shed. I've managed to move my wife into another room in the house and reclaimed uh, my workspace. So all is good. But as we uh, come up to another week of uncertainty, all I can suggest to everybody is just to take care. Mm -hmm.